1971 Christmas Afterglow, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on the last Sunday of the year, December 30th, 1973. The text is Luke, the second chapter, the 15th through the 35th verse. Please take your Bibles now. Follow along as it is my privilege to read to you from the great second chapter of Luke, beginning at the 15th verse. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and found Mary, and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when Jesus was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, quote, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, end of quote. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And inspired by the Spirit, he came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to thy people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is spoken against, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that thoughts out of many hearts may be revealed. <coughs> Thanks be to God for his word. 
Luke and Matthew, they do a tremendous job, don't they, in giving to us in beautiful word pictures all that happened to prepare for and produce the experience of Christmas. But do you ever stop to realize that the only Christmas we read about in the Bible is the first Christmas? Nowhere in the Gospels or anywhere else in the Word of God do you read anything about the second Christmas or the third or the fifth or the tenth or the twenty-fifth. Only the first. Of course, you see, the people who experienced the first Christmas really didn't understand its total effect until the first Easter. Because, you see, it's only Easter in its fulfillment that brings meaning to Christmas. And, of course, they had to wait 33 years for the first Easter to take place. Therefore, you see, they didn't have any second or third or fourth or fifth or tenth celebration of the first Christmas, say perhaps a birthday party in the home of Mary and Joseph for their little son Jesus. We just really don't know what happened after that first Christmas and for a period of about 30 years. Matthew, who talks about the birth, you know, Mark, he never talks about the birth and John does it only in great philosophical terms. But Matthew, he ends his second chapter telling about the wise men coming with their gifts, about the dream that came unto Joseph, how he should take Mary and, and escape to Egypt with the child Jesus, and how they returned and then went to Nazareth. But when he ends the second chapter, he has Joseph and Mary and Jesus the child in Nazareth. And in the third chapter, he begins the first verse about talking about John the Baptist, the one who came preaching, which was many, many, many years after Christmas. Luke, he does a little better job in informing us. And his second chapter, he ends with the experience of the Christmas day and the purification of the temple. Then he does go on for about nine verses from the 41st to the 50th to tell us about an experience that happened when Jesus was 12 years of age and Mary and Joseph had taken him to town to Jerusalem and he got lost and he spent the time in the temple debating with the teachers of the law. But even Luke in verses 51 and 52 merely says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And then in the third chapter, the first verse, he's talking about what happened in the 15th year of the reign of Tib Tiberius. Herod Tiberius. That's 30 years later. See, as far as the Bible is concerned, we really don't know what happened on the second and the third and the fourth Christmas. We don't know what happened after the first Christmas. God really took a chance, didn't he? God, you see, somehow had to perpetuate that experience of Christmas. And how is he, how is he going to keep the world in remembrance of the songs, the sayings, the Savior. 
that came on that first Christmas day. You know, you and I, we have a hard time celebrating Christmas, don't we, without the candles and the carols, without the worship and all the work, without the cards, without the greetings, without the presents, without the parties. God didn't have all of these things to perpetuate the spirit of Christmas and, and to psych people up for the joy, the happiness, the peace, and the love that's to be their Christmas. No, God, God used a very unique way and media to allow the glow and the light from Christmas to remain on after that first Christmas. He used people, the same instruments that he's using today, people. People are the ones that are to keep Christmas aglow and the light and the spirit of Christmas alive in the world. <clears throat> like the shepherds whom Jesus knew on that first Christmas heard the angels sing heard the angels sing Jesus is always counting on people who at Christmas have heard the angels sing we don't know much about the shepherds. We don't know their name. We don't know how many there were. We don't know if they were working the morning shift, the night shift. We don't know if they went to church or were religious. We don't know what they did in their homes. We don't know what they believed or what they did not believe. We don't even know how it happened. But one thing we do know is that they heard the angels sing that Christmas. They didn't know how it happened. If you could bring one of them back from the dead and say, no, no, just explain to us, will you please, exactly what happened that night. They wouldn't tell you. They saw something, they heard something, they felt something, they, they just knew something. That's the way angels, when they sing, affect. And when they went with haste, at the message of the singing angels and went and found the babe lying in a manger. They could not help but tell other people of the things that the angels singing had said unto them. And the Bible said other people wondered, that is, other people who heard the testimony of the shepherds thought the shepherds were insane. They thought they were radicals. They thought they had too much religion. They thought that they had gone nuts. But nevertheless, they still continued. These people who maybe or maybe they didn't believe in, in angelology, but they heard the angels sing and they told other people at Christmas they heard the angels sing. And then the Bible tells us that they went back to the hills, back to their work, and they went back never to be the same people again. They couldn't be the same people again. Once you hear the angels sing, you are not the same person again. And they went back, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard. Because they had heard the angels sing. 
They kept Christmas going. And I believe many of you will keep Christmas going this year, too, because some of us, this Christmas, we heard the angels sing. I've said it before, for those of you who have been away for a while, college students, maybe those of you who have not been here too regularly recently, there's been a power at work in this church now for several months. Kind of frightens me, thrills, excites. I'm kind of wondering what's happening. It's been working here. Some of us are wondering why we can't explain it. Like the shepherds on the hillside, we we don't know exactly why, but we feel it. We've heard the angels sing, and some of us heard it just last Monday night, right here in this sanctuary. There was power here. I felt it, and I know some of you felt it too. I felt more power in this pulpit in the last 18 months than I've felt any time in my life. We don't know, you see, exactly what it is. It's hard to explain. Sometimes we're a little defensive, aren't we, because we're afraid people will think we're going a little bit too religious, or, or people are going to look at us askance. We're, we're afraid maybe to talk too much about it for fear that it might disappear. It, it's tough because people are wondering what's happening to you and to me in this church. Well, folks, let, let's quit apologizing and let's quit being frightened by this. Let's not try to make up excuses for it and say it's, it's the sermon or, or it's the singing or one of the three great choirs we have in this church or, or it's the great organization or it's the sentimentality of the season or it's the sensationalism or it's the skills of this great selected staff which we have in this church or it's, it's the great sympathy that we have from hundreds of people in this congregation and over the radio and, and all the rest. No, folks. This is all a part of it. We work hard, yes, we worship hard, but this is the Spirit of God. And may we never forget it. And let's glorify and praise God for it. Because you see, since this Christmas, some of us will not be the same ever again. We can't be. We've heard the angels sing. And when you hear that, you know you can't explain it or understand it, you're somewhat frightened as were those shepherds. You know that you have around you and me spiritual resources that have the power to bring us into the presence of the divine, just as those voices brought those shepherds to the babe lying in a manger, the Christ. I don't know what God has for store, in store for you and for me and for this church, but believe me, folks, it's something. It's something. For we have heard the angels sing.
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That's the afterglow of Christmas. When you have people and when you know yourself, you've heard the angels sing and also God expects Christmas to stay a glow and a light when he knows that people have seen the star. People have seen the star. We don't know much about the wise men. Tradition, not, not the Bible, names them. We really don't know where they came from. All we know is that they were people of science. They were philosophers. They were people who were looking for the truth. They were looking for something. That's why they had their heads in the sky. And when everybody else had missed it, they saw the star. And God knew that they saw the star. And they had courage to equip themselves with their best, their gold, their frankincense, their myrrh, the best skills that they had, and they had the courage to follow that star. Now, contrary to what many people believe, the shepherds who traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles and they didn't have the Israel turnpike at that time, they didn't get their Christmas night. No, no, it was probably weeks six weeks, maybe two months after the first Christmas that the ones whom the Bible called wise men arrived at the place where Christ was born. And the reason was that the travel was slow, but not only that, is because they kept missing the star. They would see it and then they wouldn't. They would get a glimpse of it and then they would lose it. They were having a hard time following the star, and if any of you have ever followed a star, you know it's not easy. But they continued. They were vulnerable, and people lied to them, and people tried to dissuade them from following the star, but they continued after. Some people couldn't ask the questions, but they kept asking, where is he? Where is he? They were trying to find meaning in their life, and they kept looking for the star. And lo and behold, it said that they saw the star again and were exceedingly glad. And they went in. And they knelt down in worship. And they offered their best, their gold, their frankincense, and their myrrh. And they found themselves by worshiping the king. follow the star. And as I said, stars sometimes disappear behind clouds. Sometimes the stars don't shine as brightly as they did last night. Sometimes you lose the light from the star, but you find it. You find it again. One of the things that we try to do around this church every holiday season, especially that of Christmas, is to save time in this busy schedule so that we can sit down and have conversation and conference with some who are back in town for the holidays. And this year was no exception. And other members of the staff had such conferences, and I was very pleased with the many that I had. I had a call the other day, a young graduate student from this congregation asked to see me. 
known him a long time. We talked. In the process of the conversation, it was evident that the boy's having a little trouble finding himself, as all of us do. And he said he had been getting away from the church, as many of us do. But he came home this Christmas and sitting here last Monday night, his eyes filled with tears. He told me something happened. He couldn't sing Silent Night. And he remembered what this church had meant to him in his life. He realized how important the church and the Christ must be to a person's life. He couldn't quite explain it. Tears welled in his eyes as he talked about it, and tears welled in mine as I listened. Because you see, here in that church, this church, his church, Monday night, he got a glimpse again of the star. Praise God. He lost it for a while, but he has it. I know that boy. He comes from good stock. <coughs> He's a good boy. And I know now it's only a matter of time until his star, which once again he has found, will come to rest over the place where the bay blaze, and he shall go in and offering the skills of which he has many. And he'll worship and he'll find the king in himself. Maybe some of you have lost the glimpse of your star. Maybe this Christmas some of you too have found again the glimpse of the star. Believe in that star. Believe it. And you'll find where the Christ resides and you'll find him residing in you. That's the way God works. Christmas keeps a glow to the people to whom he has given again the opportunity to see a star. And also he worked then and he works today, I believe, through people who have a dream. Who have a dream like Simeon. Simeon was a very devout man, that it means he, he, he was pious, he went to church, and he was a very patriotic man. He believed in his country, and he believed that God loved his country, his church, and himself, and Simeon somehow had a dream which was a hope. He had a dream that he would be able to see in his day a better nation, a better world, a better Simeon. And he had a dream. And he had also the assurance within him, which the Bible tells us came from the Spirit of God, that he would not see death until first he had seen the Lord's Christ and the consolation of his nation, his world, and the redemption of himself. Simeon had a dream. And he had that dream because of Christmas. And I believe in faith that this Christmas some of you have had a dream. A dream about a better America, a better world, a better you. 
And in this church or in your home or at this great season of the year, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have had a dream that you know is not the impossible dream, but a dream that can come true. You see, Simeon, he didn't hear the angels, he didn't see a star, but he had a dream, and any one of us can dream. You know, the Bible's full of people who believe that God works through dreams. I, I don't understand too much about dreams. I understand you've been talking about them in the forum. I believe in them. I have them. Wouldn't want to blame God for all of them, though, I'll tell you that. But I do believe that God works through dreams. He, well, he spoke to Jacob in a dream. He spoke to Joseph, the patriarch, in a dream. He spoke to Nebuchadnezzar in a dream. Joseph, the, the, the father of Jesus, the earthly father, would never have married Mary if it hadn't been for a dream. Evan Berlin, Berlin became famous because he dreamed of a white Christmas. Some of us will never forget, I'm sure history will point out, that because of Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream that he preached to the world from the steps of Lincoln Memorial ten years ago, People today have freedom who didn't have it before. Don't be afraid of your dreams, and especially young people. Remember the Bible says, old men shall dream dreams, and you young men you shall see visions. Don't be afraid to dream, and don't be afraid of the dreams at Christmas time. In a way, I, I, I don't like to do this. But I realize when I'm speaking on dreams and a belief in dreams, I better tell you about the dream I had the other night. It was Wednesday night, very tired, and in that dream I saw myself with a young girl of this congregation who was a nursing student in one of Pittsburgh's great hospitals. We were sitting someplace, and we had before us the hymn book of this church. Crazy dream, you know. And I was having a debate with her, trying to explain to her why we were going to sing on Sunday, We Three Kings of Orient Are. It's Christmas time, I said, and there are certain hymns for certain seasons of the year, and this is the hymn we're going to sing. And she said to me as clearly as though, the thing actually happened, no, let us sing, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun. And I awoke. I looked at my watch, it was 5.20 Thursday morning. And I lay there thinking about that dream. And suddenly, this sermon, which you are now hearing, leaped in outline form into my mind. I looked at the clock again, and it was about 5.26. In six minutes, this sermon came to mind.
If you don't like this sermon, blame it on the dream, not on me. <laughs> and I went back to sleep. And when I awoke later in the morning, I addressed and came to the church to dictate the order of service which we are participating in this very minute. Everything went fine till I came down to the place of that second hymn. Would we sing, We Three Kings, or Jesus Shall Reign? Well, you know the hymn we sung, you saw who won. <laughs> the dream. And then I thought, should I tell you about this experience or not? And then I thought, if I believe in dreams, preach about it. And I bring it to you. For some reason or other, the only one I know is that perhaps God, without my knowing it, is speaking through me to you, and this particular point has been an answer to your dream. God took a great chance. He expected the afterglow of Christmas to continue. You see, Christmas is not to be the climax of the year as many of us predict.